Water, 7 p.m. on Thursday, December the 9th. And this is our Bible study, Faith Baptist Church Bible study. I am Pastor Adams, Pastor Beresford Adams, and we are delighted to have everyone with us uh, for this segment of our Bible study. And so we will we'll begin with prayer. Most wonderful, gracious, magnificent God, we thank you for this gathering as you as we do every Thursday night at this time. We are so grateful for your presence in us and around us and your advocacy for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. ask that you bless us in a very special way tonight as we receive your word and be anointed one more time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, this is Faith Baptist Church, Thursday night Bible study. And we are happy to have everyone here with us tonight at 705-277-517 and others. And there are people on the free telephone line. Welcome everyone on Roku TV, Apple TV, or any other means that you are connecting. We thank God for all that you continue to teach us and guide us through these class classes and let us now begin with prayer. Wonderful God, wonderful God again as we pray again one more time because you are so worthy to be praised and we give you all the glory for bringing us together again in Jesus name. We pray again. Amen. When we started this, um, these classes, um, uh, we, we went, we were looking at faith. And so we went to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And along the way, um, because of the situation that the entire world is in, we uh, we connected uh, faith to fear because there's been a lot of fear going on, and so we you know we did uh, Moses and and others, and then we got to David. Now I did say from the beginning that we would start back and. Um, in uh, September that uh, David would be uh, quite a few weeks that we would be enjoying so much that the Lord has to tell us. Now, um, I did not particularly plan that uh, it would coincide with the Christmas holidays, but it so worked out that way and it's wonderful. Because there's so much in the story of David, because of the promise that God made to David that he 
and his uh, descendants would be on the throne forever, which was a great, great prophecy of Jesus Christ. And so many other factors that uh, hopefully has helped us to understand uh, a lot more, uh, hopefully, as I said, of, um, of the birth of Jesus, the reason why he came into the world. Amen. And to save us. And this connection in many ways has to do with David. Last Sunday, we um, talked about Bethlehem, you know, the place of his birth. Uh, and how it connects to David. David was from Bethlehem, and Lehem mean bread, and Jesus, you know, talks about the bread of life, casting your bread upon the water, and he said, I am the bread. And so uh, there's so much connection there with Jesus the person, Jesus the Christ, and the life of David. Apart from this great, uh, this great uh, connection, this great um, covenant between God and David, and it really embraces the covenant with Abraham also and God. As you will see, and uh, I'll speak more eventually about the genealogy of, of uh, David uh, and how it, 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 um, Jesus came out of it through the side of Joseph. And um, in the genealogy, it specifically connects um, David to many other aspects of, um, of of the Messiah in ways that perhaps we have not looked at closely enough in the past. It clearly states, though, the importance of the place, Bethlehem, that, uh, that this was a strong prophecy that the Messiah would come out of that place. Um, on, on Sunday, I'll be talking about different aspects of David's life. Uh, for instance, um, the story of David rejoicing and dancing and a lot of serious theological thoughts. Lots of books have been written about it. Discussion has been made because there's so much significance to the dance other than simply, you know, somebody rejoicing and jumping and leaping and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, we'll be sharing how all that connects to G with Jesus, you know. And so there's many, many points and inferences and occasions that um, comes up in David's life that is connected to the Messiah. That, as a matter of fact, I, 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 could, I could easily state that 
the whole life of David is an overarching metaphor, an overarching figure of the Messiah, um, pre-shadowing the Messiah. Tonight, I wanted to share a little bit more of the agreement between Jonathan Saulson, uh, David Buddy, with the actual covenant between God and David. How, how important it, it, it is uh, to connect and get a better understanding how much God revealed of himself and his love for us. With the story of David, I think I've touched upon that somewhat. And how much God revealed himself to us about how, why, where, for what, the reason, right, that the Messiah was Jesus Christ, our Lord, uh, would come into the world. There's so much there. Uh, that's in the life of David alone. There's other places and other incidents and other people, but for David, the connection is quite astonishing. So, uh, David and Jonathan, uh, they made this covenant, this agreement, as I stated in a previous class, because Jonathan just couldn't believe that uh, his father Saul would kill David. Why would you kill an innocent person? See the connection? Why would you kill someone who would have d done great things for you, helped you, delivered you, saved your life? Why would you want to kill someone uh, who has been so good to you? It would not be a terrible sin in itself. Uh, you know, those are the questions that Jonathan uh, was discussing with David. Uh, my father wouldn't do that. And if he, you know, if he was planning to kill you, I would know. But of course, he was planning to kill him. He attempted to kill him twice with a javelin. He had plots, even with the wars and the soldiers. And of course, the great thing about trying to kill him while he was sleeping. And of course, David ran away. And David's, uh, he asked the question, why is this happening to me? Oh, David, uh, so emotional, not just in the part of David, but on our part that happened in David's life, the things that happened. Remember now, David's anointed. He's not boasting. He's not throwing this in the face of Saul. He's, he's being very respectful. He's stressed that stressed that last Sunday in Power Hour and that's a part of the whole thing that I'm trying to develop uh, with you understanding how the pro 
cross the pronostication of the messiahship through David tells us that he remained humble, he remained respectful, he remained dutiful even in the face of someone trying, in this case of course Saul, trying to assassinate him. They kill him. Innocent and not guilty of any charge. So if we look tonight at uh, uh, First Samuel um, chapter 20, we went through a lot of this before, but I just wanted to touch upon a few more things. Um, and we start at verse 18 again. We kind of share this. How David had said to Jonathan, had said to David, well, you know, let's make this agreement uh, between the both of us. Um, in verse 20, I will shoot three arrows in the side thereof, though I shot at the mark, you know. That was kind of the signal that will tell David whether he found out that um, Saul was trying to kill him. There was the feast days, um, new, moon, new moon, feast celebration. And Sunday we touch upon something quite sensitive but important because uh, we said that, you know, David said he was going home to Bethlehem to celebrate with his father and brothers and they had insisted he come. But that wasn't true. And uh, that was misleading. But we touch upon this because this is very, very important. Because all of us, we're completely blessed by God. Because often saints, believers, and others find themselves in a very, very difficult situation. We don't want people to sin. But throughout all of this, God keeps his promise to David the same way he would keep his promise to us. Now it turned out, and he, he does keep his promise to us. As it turned out, uh, Jonathan was convinced because when David wasn't there for the first uh, feast night uh, at the table. And by the second night, you know, Saul couldn't control himself. He just got crazy a while. And he even insulted his own son, Jonathan, saying that, you you, you know, you, you're being misled and you, you, you're naive. And David is going to want to take over the throne. And the throne is yours when I pass. Uh, Jonathan is to inherit the throne. So he's saying to Jonathan, you, you should be helping me, as I paraphrase, kill David. It's very, very moving because when David, Jonathan went back to David and he said, yes, you're right. This is the deal we're going to make. Uh, and, you know, we made this deal that you will know this is a signal to to um, to let you know that my father is um, really out to kill you. Matter of fact, he tried to kill me too. Threw a javelin at me also. He's so crazy mad 
at insisting that you be killed. Uh, if you look at verse 24, so David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon was come, the king sat him down to eat meat. The king, the, the king sat upon his seat, and at like at other times, fire phrase, and Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, and David's place was empty. So uh, it, it didn't say much, like I said at the beginning, uh, David was empty, but by the second time uh, that happened, the second night, Saul, as I said before, became very enraged. In verse 30, then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, Thou, you know, you know, so and so and so other son of a rebellious woman, uh, you're choosing the son of Jesse over your own self. And if we jump down to verse 35, we went through uh, this, that's why I'm moving on. We went through this um, before. And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out in the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad was with him. And he said to the lad, Run, find out now the arrows which I shoot. And the lad ran and shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, ace, stay not. And Jonathan lad, the Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. Verse 29, But the lad knew not anything, only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. That was a signal for David to know whether indeed Jonathan had found out that Saul, is, uh, Jonathan's father, was out to kill him. Verse 40, And Jonathan gave his artillery unto the lad, and said unto him, Go carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south, and fell on his face to the ground, and bowed himself three times, and they kissed one another, and wept, one with another until David exceeded. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we have sown both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. So, he shot these arrows, and that was a sign for David to come out. When David came out, it was very moving and emotional because Jonathan realized that there's no way that their friendship could continue 
because now he has found out the truth about his father trying to kill David and even Jonathan himself was not saved. But like I said from the beginning, safe. But like I said from the beginning, this is the understanding also of the covenant between God and David because in spite of that, Jonathan did not break his promise to David that they be friends, that they would look after each, fam each other family if something would happen to them. That brings us back to the story I shared, uh, you know, uh, a few weeks ago about Meshivosheth, how David had sent to him, because David could have wiped out the whole family of Saul. That was something that was done frequently enough when uh, when you when you want to get rid of a family who may want to take over your throne. So um, some of what Saul uh, was doing wasn't totally crazy in the sense that they killed their enemies if they think that they were trying to take over the, the, the throne. But, uh, but in this case, there was no provocation. David didn't, 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 didn't say anything to Saul that would make him think that he was going to take over the throne per se. But Saul knew this. He sensed and he understood the anointing that was on David. Amen. And we talk about how sometimes people sense and perceive the anointing that God may place on you. And so it, it gets them angry and so forth and so on. And you need to know where it's coming from. But you always follow uh, what God tells you to do. Be respectful, be dutiful, and God will work it all out. Amen. In chapter 21, and this begins some interesting things. We see that David was fugitive. He's going to different territories that have different kings and, and leaders. And um, he had to do some things that um, were, you know, again, normally he wouldn't do. And with God's presence, God's anointing was still with him. Chapter 21, verse 1, Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? In other words, you are from the king's palace. There's something wrong. There's something suspicious here. Why are you kind of out here destitute? And David said unto Ahimelech, the priest, The king has commanded me a business, and has said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servant to such and such a place. 
Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or what there is present. So David is hungry. Saul doesn't kill him. He literally will die of starvation. He's destitute. He just can't. He just can't just show up in a place. Saul undoubtedly had people, soldiers looking out for him. He goes to Nob, a place that not necessarily in line with uh, with Saul and his rule. And he had to make up this story about how, you know, he's on a special mission and he's literally asking for bread from the, uh, the priest over in Nob. Verse number five, or verse number four, rather. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under my hand, but there is a hollow bread. If a young man have kept themselves at least from woman. So I have no regular bread, but there's show bread. There's, uh, you know, there's ritual bread. And if you haven't been, uh, you haven't been with woman, uh, young men are allowed to eat it. And David answered the priest and said unto him, of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out. The vessel of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yeah, that it was sanctified this day in the vessel. The people that um, David eventually uh, um, had to hang out with uh, were, were kind of outcast themselves and uh, they formed this band and and uh, they were just out there living a uh, kind of destitute life and the priest you know is is willing to share this bread with David and them and uh, it is a situation that we need to understand about what happens uh, often to, and uh, this is, you know, how, how, for many people, Jesus was a homeless person, he was destitute, and um, he himself said, you know, foxes of whole, birds of the year of nest, but you know, I have no place to lay my head. So again, this is kind of, a, as I said before, a, a prefiguring of the life of Jesus. The only thing that the, the scripture will point out to us, Jesus is the son of God. David is the son of Jesse. Jesus was someone who was spiritually strong and fulfilled and not someone who was growing in faith and in strength and overcoming fear 
the way David did. So David had to, uh, or he, he relied on human things, human deception, uh, to overcome the challenges that he was going through. And there is what God has shown us and has given to us. Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit, that now we can use the Holy Spirit, that in our uh, human conditions, we can survive difficulties, we can overcome um, challenges without being deceptive. And we're going to develop that more as we go along because it's so important to understand that there is no question about it, that God always made a way out for David, even if David wasn't doing exactly what God would expect of us. But now we have Jesus. Therefore, we have this great advantage over David as far as living an anointed life that God has provided for us. My encouragement to you tonight is to keep on keeping on in the name of Jesus and reach for the Holy Spirit that's with the greatest, the Holy Spirit that's in you than all the forces out there in the world. The Holy Spirit will teach you, the Holy Spirit will guide you, the Holy Spirit will keep you safe, and you never ever have to uh, rely and divert to devious things and just keep on relying on the Holy Spirit because God has made his promises to you. He has anointed you, as we spoke about recently, uh, and he has placed favors on you. And God would never, ever break his promises to you. So next week, we're going to continue a little bit more about how David in his human being and in in, in, in in, 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 with his shortcoming, God was still faithful to him. And how God has been so uh, faithful to us. And one of the faithfulness that I am pressing upon tonight is that Jesus told us that he will send back another comforter, another counselor, another person to guide us and give us strength and to keep us, uh, keep us safe, another harm that we don't, we can go above human terms. And, and even human deception, because God would always provide for us. Amen.